I'm Kristen Birdwell, and this is Sex, Drugs, and Soul. Hey, y'all. Just a quick update before we dive into this episode. I have started a little bit of a nomadic adventure. And so what that entails is I am following the butterflies and living more moment to moment and following my intuition. However, I still want to put out content and podcast episodes. I love and appreciate a little grace in the process as I navigate finding quiet spaces to record, finding um, good Wi-Fi, or using my hotspot. Um, so yeah, if you'll just give me a little grace as I navigate the next couple months or so, I will continue to provide recordings and podcasts. So thanks. Teresa Torone, she's a consciousness guide, a light worker, a shaman apprentice, travel advisor. She's a dear friend. And we have talked about um, diving into a little bit of self-exploration and what that looks like for her today. And we may go into some other topics. We'll just kind of see what comes up naturally. I'm so excited that you said yes to the invitation to come on. So you have a milestone coming up. Um, you're approaching 40 in February and let's just kind of unpack that a little bit, little bit, like how you're feeling or how you were feeling to kind of how you've transitioned and are approaching it now. What comes up for you? I think it's just like any other journey. Like I'm super excited now to be turning 40, but six months ago I was like, Ah, I'm not where I thought that I would be uh, or like where a a version of myself envisioned me to be at 40. Mm -hmm. And um, that was kind of scary and upsetting and kind of defeating in a way. Um, The higher self in me, the more I meditated, the more I connected with all of the things. Once I started really exploring myself, my life, the last 10 years, um, even like the last 12 years, because Ella's 12, my daughter, Ella. Um, and it's, you know, I'm going to be 40 and then I'm going to have a teenager all in the same year. So it's like, Oh, buckle up. Um, (laughs) that is beautiful because it's just a part of life. It's a coming of age for her. And in a way, a coming of age for me, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm leaving the the reckless, um, you know, uh, just like girl that wanted or envisioned or was programmed to believe in a system that just does not align with who I am at my core and uh, my authenticity. And that getting to almost 40 has really been finding myself. Um, And so I'm just really excited now to have all of the tools that I've acquired Mm -hmm. over the last 39 years, but more so the last 12 years Mm -hmm. and, um, and the place that I'm in physically in sunny Florida, um, where I'm in my career, starting a new chapter with, you know, being a travel advisor and what that means for me spiritually. It's just, there's so much. And I think that, you know, just like anyone else, I was beating myself up about where I thought I should be instead of celebrating everything that I've overcome and where I am right now. Mm-hmm. I have my 40s to reinvent myself. That's 
amazing. Like mm-hmm. what, a, what a privilege, what a blessing. And I just want to yeah. look at those moments. I want to celebrate those moments. I want to expand those moments. Well, you've met, you've witnessed, or I've witnessed a lot within the last few years too, just like stepping in the unknown, moving to Florida, a lot of personal development, a lot of meditating. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like this girl, we'd be in Mexico together and she would wake up at the crack of dawn, make sure she got that meditation in. And I have, I have not been as disciplined. And so it's very admirable. You mentioned the word alignment and what's an alignment. And I think of the word integrity. Um, so in comparison to like maybe your younger self or just like what is an alignment for you now or going, what do you foresee for the future too? I think um, a younger version of myself and still versions of myself, right? They're all me. Um, I still revisit them at times. I'm not perfect. I'm, I haven't, as much as I've overcome is still just a, a new perspective of what I went through. So I think in the past, I did a lot of trying to control and force things into happening the way I wanted them to happen instead of just knowing that it's already mine and how it happens is going to blow my mind because Mm -hmm. every time I surrendered to that, and I know you know that as well, like just surrendering as hard as it is and we never want to do it. And then when we finally do, we're like, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I just surrender mm-hmm. to where the universe wanted me to go instead of trying to be like, no, it has to look like this. Like for me, 40 meant I had to be married and I had to have more children. and I had to be like a, a boss bitch in my career. I couldn't just be starting something new. Like who does that in their forties? Lots of people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kudos to those people and myself for not staying in something that they were miserable in for being courageous enough yeah. to do something new. That's the word that was coming up for me. It was courage. It's like, it's not that you don't feel the fears and it's not that I don't feel the fear. It's that like taking the action or doing something in, in the fear and like building the, the trust. Like how have you built up the trust in the unknown or not necessarily the unknown, but that surrender muscle? <laughs> how have you... <laughs> like build the surrender my you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, sometimes I I I'm not, you know, I'm not where I want to be with it. Sometimes I don't surrender it. Sometimes I'm holding on to or trying to force something or thinking it should be a certain way and and then just coming back to center and sitting in nature and putting my feet in in the sand on the beach or in the you know that little area where the water just rushes up against the sand um it's something just comes over me something just says to me whether it's the inner the higher self in me or the higher self out of me that's in nature that's just a vibration that allows me to connect and calm um, I think that's really just, just it for me. Like, I just need to trust myself, trust the higher being, trust the, trust the flow of things mm-hmm. and, and like the ocean, like a wave, just let the incident or the emotion or the situation wash over me mm-hmm. and cleanse me again. Yeah. I mean, 
I have already been cleansed so many times and it's worked out every single time, every hardship or every bump in the road or every obstacle, every time I wanted to give up, every time I was, you know, it, it, it turned around. There was something somewhere around some corner or somewhere deep within me that I found in myself mm-hmm. that I'm like, wow, maybe you're not a boss bitch yet, but the desire is there. The drive's there. The tools are there. It's all there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Just put it together and I mean, make it happen. Yeah, you're resilient as fuck. And I've been reading this book and I just found it interesting. <laughs> well, I just know some of like your, you know, of your story and we can dive into that too if you want, but like some of like what you have overcome mm-hmm. and like and getting through that. But um I've been reading this book called Unbound and she talks about like how a version of the good girl is like the independent woman or like the boss bitch that doesn't need anybody. And so it's like within the last year, um, since July, I want to say, I've really just come to terms with like how much my masculine energy was serving as a protector for my feminine energy and how for me, it's okay and to ask for support. It's okay to want and desire that support, whether it's in a partnership or friendship mm-hmm. or work or whatever it is. Um, and like surrendering more into the, like the flow, like you mentioned, um, I would you say I feel like some of that control I associate with like at the toxic side of masculine energy because I feel like there's you know this health there's feminine and masculine energy in us all and that you know like there's like the healthy and then the the toxic exhibiting <laughs> or unbalanced maybe right and that's that's definitely shown up for me and I can relate to that um and whenever I go in nature, it does definitely has like a grounding sensation, like soothing and calming the nervous system. I feel like when we rush, that's another way of um, not trusting the universe in some ways too. It's like if we can just slow down and savor and like with our slowness, we're trusting that in the timing that whenever it'll arise, right? I don't know. That's just something that came up <laughs> versus yeah. like, oh, I've got to get this done now. Or I'm like, that's on your timeline and your control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm talking to myself oh. versus like allowing you like know. everyone on the planet. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. we want it to happen in our timing, myself included. Like that's what this self-exploration was about over the last month, because I was being so hard on myself. Like, why did I need to have those things at 40? Like who says and oh, we've been conditioned. <laughs> I'm like, was it even like really your desire or was it like all these things thrown at you yeah. from advertising or media or, you know, what we've been told that we need to have by a certain age or how we're supposed to look or how we're supposed to behave. And it's like, fuck that. We'll create our own rules. We'll create our own like yeah. realm. So how did the self-exploration begin for you? Um, this I time, think- I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think um honestly I had met someone mm. and um you know every relationship is a mirror so I saw like where he was at in his in his career um and how he you know as someone that was younger than me really embodied this energy of like somebody that was 10 years older than me whatever that means in my head but really like was responsible and had his stuff together and was an owner of a 
you know, is an owner of a successful company. And um, I looked at that and I was comparing myself and I was in a job that I, I was completely unhappy in, but took because it, you know, obviously was paying my bills and <laughs> also I had benefits. So I think that was something that was a, a programming, you know, for my best intention from my parents, because you know, you need to have a job and you need to have health insurance that was like drilled into me. And I'll obviously always have a job, but, um, cause I have a family to support, but I was making that job. Like it was my everything, like as if I couldn't go out and find a job that aligned better with me, that I needed to suffer through this, you know, crappy job just so that I could have health insurance or just so that I can pay my bills. And, um, I've never been in a place, whether I was struggling for money or whether I was living it up, where I wasn't able to support myself or my daughter. So I'm very blessed in that way, but I also know it's something in me. It's the drive in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like for meeting this person and knowing that relationships are a mirror, it was like, okay, if he can do this, this is showing me that I can do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, where he was, you know, is or was hitting triggers or nerves, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's so easy for me to be like, this is what you're wrong about. And, you know, obviously we still always do that. But I really was like, I, this was six months ago. I'm like, I really need to look at myself and where I'm wrong in relationships and where I'm trying. And that was how control came up. I wasn't trying to control him, but I was trying to be like the leader of the relationship and control the the relationship. And I, I realized that, and this is someone that traveled a lot for work, and I realized the triggers that it was causing because of past unhealthy relationships that I had. And when Um, they weren't there, they were cheating. So I was projecting these things that happened in past relationships that I wasn't fully healed from, or I wasn't fully, um, you know, connected to in that way anymore. So I was projecting it onto him and I had to really turn the finger around and look at myself. And I think that's what really started the exploration. Kristen, are you there? It's like the universe is giving us a sign or something because... (laughs) Mercury retrograde, something is messing with the connection. Maybe you just hit something and it was like, oh, mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to go back and see. Speaking of mirror relationships, like I remember chatting with an ex of mine and one time saying like, like, well, what you don't like in someone else is probably what you don't like in yourself. And they're like, no. (laughs) And I'm like, "Mm, maybe. Um, And also I think that goes for the positive attributes. So you seeing that in your partner was like, oh, I can hold that too. That's showing me that, you know, that is possible for me too. Or like, I have that within me too. And or something, I think the same is true. It's like, it can be looked at through both perspectives. I mean, and that really goes for every relationship. Yeah. Right. Oh, for sure. And 
the hardest part is looking at the relationships that challenge us the most, you know, because we want to be able to blame the other person. Like it's all you. And, you know, in certain circumstances, it might be all one person's behavior or mm-hmm. or something like that. If we're talking about something so grand, but in the everydayness of like your family, your coworkers, your, you know, eliminate the narcissist and stuff like that. It is a mirror. And even Mm -hmm. with narcissists, it's a mirror. You know, we are all made of light and dark. Yeah. What are we choosing? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Are we we looking at our dark? Are we looking at our shadow? Or like, are we choosing to not not see it at all? Because I know some people that, you know, have been with narcissists before, but they don't want to admit any of it within themselves. And I think to some degree, like there's a healthy level of narcissism. Or Mm -hmm. it's like... Or it's like the self-inquiry of like, okay, what part of me is attracting this? And like, yeah, I've had to ask myself that recently. I'm like, whoa. Well, I'm like, and maybe it's to practice discernment and like, be like, oh, are you ready for this? Well, then show me that you're, that you're ready for this. And you can be discerning about who's going to be coming into your energy field in your life mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Maybe that's part of it. That's kind of what came up for me. But, and then there's also the part of like, okay, let me do a little journaling or self-inquiry. I'm like, okay, it, what part of me is attracting this? Um, mm-hmm. Does it need a little more love and compassion? Mm-hmm. Does it need a little more self-forgiveness, nurturing? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. If I'm I mean, asking the question, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like anytime you ask the question, you already know the answer. It's just, yeah. it's just like, oh, I'm just going to put it out there. See yeah. what the universe sends back. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> so I, I wanna, I'm curious if this ever happened to you. I was asking about something and it was something random, right? I can't remember. It was between a few things, but I asked the universe for a sign. I was like, Thank you, God, Source. I can't remember what I said. Like, I was like, "Thank you, Source," or um, like, "Please." I've, actually, I've been calling Source God more recently. Yeah. Um, I'm like, God, show me a sign of a whippoorwill in some way. If this is the right path or the high, or highest and best path for me, mm-hmm. and I just forgot. I released it. Forgot. Fast forward a couple of days, maybe a week. I get the sign of a whippoorwill, and I'm like, "Well." fuck I don't remember what I asked for it for (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like was it this was it this I was like did I surrender that shit too hard (laughs) um I'm like has that ever happened to you (laughs) have you ever asked for something you forgot what you asked for yeah I mean it usually happens for something when I'm asking for something really specific because I feel like the universe when you ask for something really specific, you always get an answer, Mm. but we're human. So like, we're not so dialed in. We're like kind of blurry on even what the specific was. And then like in seven days, it kind of changed because you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the sign. But I also wanted it to be like this, you know, or like, I also want to be on this path. Like, so can these two (laughs) intersect somewhere? Like, like we're already (laughs) trying to control it again. Mm yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely happened to me. I think now I'm I'm trying to ask less questions or less mm-hmm. specific questions and just 
paying attention to where I am when I get signs. I've been getting a Mm. lot of signs of feathers. Yes, I'm in Florida and there's birds, but in places that I wouldn't normally see feathers. Mm. Um, Or like, you know, I I have a dog, (laughs) Sailor. Um, She'll be like running around somewhere by the the dock. I I walk her to the dock every morning. Well, I've been slacking on that, but I try to walk her every morning. and she'll like randomly have a feather or ram- randomly sniff something out that like shouldn't be there or like a weird coin will just appear out of nowhere. So I kind of just take that as you're on the right path. The angels are with you. Um, I want to talk now that I say the angels are with you. I have asked for a specific sign. Um, cut ahead a little bit. I <clears throat> I am adopted. I um, recently was able to connect with my adoptive family about eight months ago. Um, I haven't met them in person yet. Um, I would love to. We just live several states away and over the holidays tried to get together and then it just didn't happen. But um, I'm hopeful that it will happen. That being said, I have a half sister on my dad's side, my biological dad's side, that um, is deceased. And ironically, Mm. he shares the same exact birthday as me. Wow, that gives me chills. Yes. And I know that I have a spirit team, and we can get into what that means if need be, but I know that I have a spirit team that guides me, that has been with me since, you know, one member specifically um, in my spirit team who's a spirit has always been energy or spirit or an angel or however you want to look at it. She's been with me since birth, since I'm adopted. And that's common for a lot of adopted uh, Mm. beings, humans on this planet. Um, And so I have recently asked if she's with me, if she's one of my guides and she's helping me with a specific area in my life, which happens to be my career. Mm. I... You know, well, her name is Ariel. They named her, um, you know, she she died as a baby. So her name is Ariel. But um, she has given me so many signs. I've randomly seen, like, pictures of a mermaid when I'm not even looking or I'm shopping in a store and something like a shirt will have a mermaid on it. Or, um, you know, I asked for, like, fish to jump out of water and I was walking on the dock mm-hmm. and and instantly as I walked on the dock, fish were like, like a a school of them jumping out of the water. There's been circumstances like that. And maybe it's law of attraction. You know, everyone can argue things however they want. But when, when I do get those signs, she's the first thing person situation that I think about. Um, And I think that's another thing when you get the signs, like pay attention. What are you thinking about when you're getting Mm -hmm. the signs? Where's your mind at? Is it thinking about something negative that you're wishing, you know, wouldn't come to fruition or would go away or would change about you or um, something along those lines? Or is it like, are you celebrating life? Are you happy? Are you thinking about someone that you love? Mm. Thinking about doing a kind deed for somebody? Like those are the signs that we get to motivate us. Like that's that's the signs that we need to look for instead of asking for them. And it's human Mm. to ask. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, probably get off of this live and ask for a sign for some. <laughs> you know, was it a good life? I like both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like both. 
um, asking yeah. and, and being like cultivating that sense of presence and awareness so that when you do um, receive a sign, you know, like a little wink from the universe or something yeah. is what I like to call them. But yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, like that's a good point. It's like, okay, am I, who am I thinking of or what, you know, where am I headed um, or where, what am I feeling? Yeah. All those different considerations. That's really cool. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about your adoption story. I would love yeah. to dive into that um, because I think that we sign up for some of the different lessons or paths, um, things that we came to earth school to learn. And let me tell you, sister, <laughs> I'm like, you signed up for a lot. And to me, that's just indicative of like your courageous spirit and soul. Yeah. Um, like to, to be, uh, cause I feel like I've had, you know, abandonment wounds and I can only imagine the, um, the sense of abandonment wounds that, or encountered or faced whenever you're adopted as well. Even if, even with the consideration that you were a family did adopt you and all that, but let's dive, let's unpack some of it a little bit. Let's dive into it. Yeah. I love to start with um, the abandonment issue for me that, that accompanied being adopted. Um, I was adopted into a beautiful family that are amazing people. Like, yes, they have their things, they're humans, but um, they're they're all really good people. And I'm happy to say they're all in a really good place right now, which is nice. Mm. Um, so I was adopted, you know, I'm, well, I didn't know until I found my biological parents, but I'm I'm black and Latina and I'm, I'm a mix of everything and white. And um, so, I was adopted into a family that is very white, Italian and Polish, and I looked very different. And I went to, you know, mostly white schools. There was like, you know, a few Indians, a few African-Americans, a few Blacks, but um, very slim, very low numbers. And um, so I stood out and I always felt different. And I would even have like friends or cousins ask me when I was a child, like, why are you brown and your, your parents are white? And, you know, at first you don't even think of those things. You're like, well, these are my parents. What do you mean? I don't know why I'm yeah. But, you know, I, I, I think at like a young age, even though we were always told that we were adopted, my older brother and I are both adopted. We're just brother and sister through law and through bond, I love saying, mm. because growing up together and experiencing life together, we're still experiencing life together is more than just a, a law sibling. I mean, that is, you know, that's my brother. I have, I have two brothers in my adoptive family, but my older brother is also adopted just of a different, you know, family. Um, and so we, you know, I, I looked differently than my brother, but we had that, that adoptive bond. And I think, you know, it's a hard thing for any child or, you know, not adults, we're not adult, adopting adults, but older children that are getting adopted, it's, it's a transition like anything else. And so I think that on a spiritual level, we have these guides that accompany us so that it's not as hard and we don't feel alone, especially when we're small children, because we still are able to connect to that side, whether it's portrayed as an imaginary friend or whatever, as we get older. Um, but the abandonment issue for me was like, if 
you know, my parents would read us books saying that you're adopted and it was this beautiful story. But to me, the the expression was always given up for adoption. Mm. Given up. So someone gave up on me and gave me away to somebody else who, yes, wanted children more than anything in the world. And it was such a blessing for them. But just that terminology, given mm-hmm. up, it, it puts a negative context or a shame to that. It does. Um, I think that's really what was my initial pain at first. And that's really what caused, actually, I'm like thinking of, as I'm talking about this, so many things are clicking into place. Um, I think that was like the initiative. And then that sprung the feeling of abandonment. And Mm. my mom gave, my biological mom, the story I told myself, the narrative I told Mm. myself as a child up until probably until I connected with my biological mom was that I wasn't loved because she gave me up for adoption. And as a result of that, I told my story that I told myself the story that I wasn't worthy of love. Mm. Um, And so I made all these horrible choices and, and did stupid things and hurt myself and hurt other people and lived recklessly throughout my 20s, not when I was a child, because I just didn't know any better. And I mm-hmm. think then I was more trying to be a chameleon to fit in. I wanted to fit in so bad. To belong. Yeah. But there's such a difference, right, between like fitting in and belonging, because belonging yes. is more being true to yourself, not compromising mm. who you are. And fitting mm. in is, you know, dyeing your hair blonde because that's what the cool kids have and you want to be blonde or wearing, you know, Nike shoes because that's what everyone does in school and you want to be just like all the cool kids and just kind of like fit in. Mm-hmm. And that's a good distinction. Oh, yeah. And we're all just really longing for that acceptance. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't happen until you accept yourself. And that's <laughs> yeah. the hugest lesson I can experience that I've experienced that I can ask anybody else to experience on this earth, like get to know yourself. It is so important. I tell my daughter that all the time, especially, you know, a young, beautiful adolescent girl that's moving into womanhood and blossoming into her her own person. Um, You know, it's such an awkward age to begin with, but I think we make it worse for ourselves for, trying to be accepted and trying to be the chameleon and morph into what everybody else wants us to be instead of being Mm -hmm. like, wait, does that feel right for me? And that was a lot of my exploration in, and you know, in my thirties, like even with makeup today, I have makeup on, I don't wear makeup every day. Some days it feels right for me. Some days I'm like, nah, I'm just going to put lip gloss on and, you know, maybe like Make sure my eyebrows are all in place, but look home to them real quick. Yeah, like listening to your own inner compass versus yeah. like having the navigation from the outside or looking for the pilot of your life externally. Um, so you told yourself that story, but for so long, and it was like demonstrated in your behaviors and stuff. So bring us to the moment where, yeah, you t- started to tell yourself a different story. And I think it's really indicative of the power of language. Mm. Like even you know, like giving up. Yeah. So it has like that negative connotation instead of like, I'm, it's like, how could we reframe that to be, um, 
Yeah. Right. We need to. Yeah. I chose the highest path of love for you, you know, Mm -hmm. and that path wasn't for with me because as I know, she was a young mom and Mm -hmm. all that. So I'm like, how can we reshape that, reframe it and look through it in a lens that is um, beneficial for our well-being, the well-being of, you know, the people that encounter us (laughs) because we all have these like ripple effects, I think. of. So basically what I'm getting at is you told yourself this story. And then it began to shift. What was the moment um, of where it began to shift for you? I think the initial moment of where it really began to shift was when I had my daughter. Mm. Seeing somebody of my blood, even though it wasn't Mm. a parent or a sibling, and that's really what I was longing for. But seeing someone of my blood that I created, that came out of my body, that was fed from my body. I mean, that was the biggest gift, the greatest gift, the most precious and beautiful gift in so many ways, like really exponentially, like the most expansive thing that I've ever experienced. And it's only been 12 years, but um, that really changed things for me. It changed my perspective. It wasn't all about me anymore. It was about somebody else. Mm. Um, but also realizing how important that me time was having time to myself. And I think a lot of parents have good intentions on this, but they don't take time for themselves and they want to give everything to their children and they burn out. And so for me, it was like, oh, wait, I have to refill my cup. How am I going to do that? And how can I do acts of self-love if I don't really even know myself to love myself? I never gave myself permission to get to love myself because I told myself I was unworthy of love because I was given up. Mm. So already I had this huge wall and armor around my heart that was like, okay, I'm not, I'm, if I'm not worthy of love, I can't give it because I don't know how to love myself. Mm. I basically never received, I received love obviously from my parents, but I was my heart was never open to that. It was shut off, Mm, maybe not as a little small child, but in some way, as soon as I knew I was adopted, you know, first you're a kid, you're three, four, five, you have these grand dreams that like your mom's a movie star and she couldn't possibly take care of you. So she had to give you to this amazing family. Like that's what I told myself. And one, Mm -hmm. like in like little orphan Annie, one day my parents were going to come and get me and the sun will shine tomorrow. You know, like Mm -hmm. that was what I told myself as a kid, then when I was like smart enough to be like, okay, Teresa, like this is, you know, the fairy tale that, you know, Disney wants you to have or Pixar wants you to have or whatever. Um, I think I kind of just got lost in the muddiness of that and the darkness of that. And it slowly became a comfortably numb place for me to be. So I had to like go through all of that all over again as a mom and as an adult and obviously with more tools because I would never have been able to go through it before. Um, But I had to collect tools along the way and that was, you know, meditation because I didn't start meditating until Ella was about two, Um, Mm -hmm. mostly due to a toxic relationship with her father that at, at this time she was still seeing her father. And so I was like, I'm going to lose my mind. I have to figure out a way to find my 
find and and maintain my inner peace to deal with someone that is just erratic and um, controlling and narcissistic and all, all of these things. Um, and that was really just like the only ways I could self-love was picking up tools and, uh, and use and, you know, applying them to my own life, not just collecting them to help other people or to show them as a badge of like, look at all of these things that I can do or all of these certificates that I acquired. Mm -hmm. It was like, I need to do this for me. And not mm -hmm. just for me, because now I have a kid who's mm -hmm. watching everything I do. Mm. And if I F it up, I'm potentially being a problem for her life. When she's reflecting in her 20s or her 30s, like, I don't want her to be like, well, my mom was so screwed up and she mm. didn't love herself. And so I didn't get appropriate love. And now I don't love myself. Like, I had to break the cycle. Mm -hmm. And we can go into this too, but like yeah. the more I learned that I had to break cycles um, because I didn't want those generational things to occur, it was like I gained more and more information and I did more and more healing and I learned more and more about myself, still not knowing my biological family. Mm -hmm. And the energy healing, the channeled light healing that I performed on myself, but also on my clients who may not have been open about what they were going through, but energy doesn't lie. Mm -hmm. I can put, you know, my hands over you or on a screen because a lot of my clients at the time were in the UK. And so everything was over Zoom. It was during COVID. Um, you know, I, I would instantly get these either feelings or visions of what they had gone through. And I'm like, wow, healing is probably energy healing, especially is probably one of the most amazing gifts to have because mm -hmm. you're healing someone, but you're also healing yourself and yeah. you're simultaneously learning of their story while you're discovering another part of yourself that resonates with their story. Mm -hmm. So it was just a lot of, self-reflection, self-love, connecting with me and facing the parts that I didn't like about myself. It was mm -hmm. so easy to say, you know, he was toxic, but I was toxic too. I wasn't perfect in that relationship. Yeah. I wasn't bringing things to the level that he was. I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm of a healthy, sound mind. So it's also a very different situation when you're dealing with someone that has mental illness. But um you know, and, and, and addictions and, and serious drug addictions, you know? So I, I really just was like, acquire the tools, figure it like you have no choice, but to figure it out. You have a child and you're not going to let her go through the same struggles that you went through, mm -hmm. or even similar ones, right? Like we might not be able to learn from somebody else's experience, but as a parent, we should be able to guide our children away from the same experiences that we had. And if they do have those experiences, we should be able to come with advice that helped us overcome those experiences, not mm. kept us in that cycle. Mm. I mean, so I as you're navigating like all, like in picking up these tool belts, what in the back of your mind, did you still have the desire to meet your biological family? Oh yeah. The desire was okay. Was there. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was, you know, and how um, did how did that journey begin too? I just want to ask that question. It was a 
pilot flame. I think it's like, you know, yeah. Mm. I think when you know you're adopted, like the flame's just there. And some mm. people are like, you know, mm. messing with the stove, trying to like get it to light. And then some people <laughs> are like, eh, it's there. It's cool. It doesn't bother me. It's not mm. doing any harm. You know, if it, if it goes out, which it's not supposed to, maybe I'll, you know, emergency break and like relight it or something. <laughs> but some people don't really, it doesn't, it doesn't bother them. They're okay. Mm. They feel like they belong where they are. And they probably feel that way because they do belong exactly mm-hmm. where they are not questioning that for me there were a lot of questions there's mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm an aquarius i'm in my head i'm a truth seeker um i wanted answers i wanted to know if i looked like my biological mom or dad mm-hmm. or if i had siblings i had i mean even now i still have so many questions and i know who each and every one of them are but i'm such an inquisitive person i want to know about their life Um, so I think just as a kid hearing that I was adopted in my parents would read books to us. So like they would read a book and they'd be like, you're adopted just like the kid in the book. And it was like a sweet sentiment that I think is a beautiful way to tell a child that they are adopted. Um, it gives them like a character or something else to like, uh, connect with. But for me, just knowing that I, was adopted made me feel like I didn't belong. So I really wanted to search for where I did belong, where I did come from, what my roots were. I didn't Mm -hmm. just want to go on being a chameleon because in my mind, I felt like if I knew where my roots were, I would be able to understand myself better. I'd have a platform to start at. It didn't work out that way. The universe had other plans. So I had to, at some point, surrender and flow with the fact that, like, uh-uh, girl, we're not giving you the platform. You got to dig uh, in. You got to get your hands dirty. Get yeah, that garden- those wings I gave you. <laughs> that gardening shovel and rake out, girlfriend. <laughs> You're going to be doing some pulling of the weeds. and, and uh, levitating. <laughs> <laughs> So I, you know, I always had that desire. And then the more I, like I said, like started really connecting with myself and and being honest with myself and sitting in meditation and not pushing the emotions away, Mm. allowing my tears to flow and allowing myself to feel angry, but not project my anger on other people, which is so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Or not allow someone else's anger that they're projecting mm. you. Mm. Something that I'm currently experiencing as well. Um, and I have to say, the last time I did have a situation like this, I'm really, really grateful and proud of myself for how I reacted to it. Mm. Um, because an older, not so healed version of me would have allowed those um fingers being pointed or someone else's anger being projected on me uh, really to trigger me and let those mm-hmm. demons out. Um, and I have, you know, in in the most recent past as well, but I've learned from it. And, and in this last circumstance, for sure, I've not allowed somebody else's projection or emotion to sway me or bring me, I hate saying bring me down, but like 
anger is just a lower frequency. Mm -hmm. You are connected to your higher self. You're connected to infinite love. That's what we all are. We Mm -hmm. all are beings of infinite love. Or if you're more religious, unconditional love might resonate with you. Um, But so to like, you know, slide down that slope of like, now I'm going to meet you here. It's like, oh, damn it. I knew it was a test and I failed. the test. <laughs> I knew I was, you know, not going to, I, I told myself I wasn't going to allow myself to let that trigger me. And, and it happens. We do it. I did it, you know, a few months ago. I allowed mm-hmm. someone else's anger to trigger me or a situation to trigger me or, you know, a projection to trigger me. But, you know, I, I think, think. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that that's just a testament to your growth. And like going back to like the word celebrating and celebration is because it's like when we have those moments where we see how we would have acted differently, a previous version of ourselves, and like we choose to respond in a different way versus react, that's where I'm like, okay, it's like pat on the back. Okay. Yes. I, that's like a very, um, to me, distinct moment where it's like, (laughs) something I've been doing has been working because (laughs) (laughs) right. It was like, it's a testament to our growth. Yeah. And there was like a saying that, um, I don't know, I guess they used to use like more for men and they would say a gentleman is someone who doesn't react, but acts. So it's like thinking before you do something, right? Mm -hmm. Taking that split second. And I think it's really the, the true, of that statement is the healed person acts. They don't react. Um, mm-hmm. And listen, we're not always healed. You know, sometimes we're going through something new. The universe brings something new in. Somebody mm-hmm. gets sick that you care about or you get sick or, mm-hmm. you know, you lose your job or you, God forbid, lose a child or, you know, lose yeah. a parent. They're, they're, this life is this earth school. I love that you call it earth school. Um, It has a lot of challenges. It has a lot of obstacles. For sure. I know for me too, it's like, and I, I've been like working on just like allowing myself to feel whatever emotion and not shaming or judging whatever emotion does arrive, but just like allowing it to pass through me or to like use these tools to like get it out or like today and go to fucking boxing class and hit some shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like thinking, I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm going to think of an acronym for fear, which is, I think some of what, to me, there's like the basics. It's like fear or love. And so I'm like, okay, fear acronym feel the emotions and respond. And for me, that's like choosing the response, kind of like what you're saying about the healed person versus like the reaction. Right. Um, And like to, I also like think of um, Marianne Williamson, a return to love, which is kind of like based on a course in miracles where she's like, everything is either love or a call for love. And so I'm like, Oh, okay. Whenever I can see those moments and it's like, that's an area of myself calling for more love or if that's a person behavior, they're calling out for more love and it's being expressed through the lens of anger that is being projected onto me. And just having that like awareness, it's like, okay, that it helps me instill a deeper level of compassion for you because I know now that you're calling for more love. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. 
Oh, thanks. I guess it's that. <laughs> that's one of the. I'm like, like, preach. Go ahead, girl. Preach. Oh, no. I love our back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I could, I could go do this for a, a while. <laughs> um, but I want to like continue on for the people chiming in or listening. Thank you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so you're on this, like, you're, I want to kind of bring the adoption journey full circle, at least to where it is today. Um, and so you, how, remind me how the, um, initial contact period began, like, um, okay. of discovering who they are and like mm-hmm. that moment too. So this was like an ongoing journey. I've always wanted to connect mm-hmm. with my biological family. Like I said, even as a child, I expressed that, like, you know, then when I was a teenager, like a you know, jerky teenager does like would throw it into my parents' face. You're not my real parents. I want to find my real parents or, um, and like, you know, now I obviously know that those are my real parents. They took care of me. They were there for me. They showed up for me anytime I needed them still do to this day. Um, which is beautiful and something that I very much took for granted, especially as an adolescent and adolescent and a teenager. Um, but I, I think, you know, I initially would like went to the public library and tried to get information because, you know, I was born in 83. So there were closed adoptions then. Mm. It wasn't like how it is now where you can send pictures to the biological parents or, you know, it was very different. And and I was um, born and I was given through uh, a Catholic, Catholic charities, like so like a Catholic organization, a Christian organization. And it was very closed. You didn't Mm. really get any information and at that time you didn't even get your original birth certificate so you didn't know any identifying information about your parents you knew non-identifying information from your parents if they decided to provide it so if they wanted to provide your nationality or their ages or you know their nationality something like that uh they would provide that but like other than that you you didn't know anything. You knew the hospital that you came from and the agency that gave you to your adoptive parents. And that was pretty much it. So through my teens, I would like, you know, as the internet became more of a thing, I would try to do like, find this person and I would put in, um, I knew, I believe I was 18 when I found out that I was given a name at birth from my biological mom. The day I was born, there was a blizzard And, um, this was in New York city. I was born in Lenox Hill hospital and, you know, back in the eighties, like no one could get anywhere in a blizzard. So I was there in the hospital for six days. And the story that I was told, I actually need to see if this is accurate, but the story that I was told was that my biological mom named me so that I wouldn't be given a number like baby girl number five Mm. um, while I was in the hospital. Cause I wouldn't have had a name. So she named me um, after her biological mom. And so I had a name and the last name was Ramirez. So, you know, in New York, Ramirez, there's like millions of Ramirez's. Mm -hmm. So I would like go online and search, you know, my name and all of these Ramirez's would come up with some with phone numbers, some without, without phone numbers. And, you know, I would call them and sometimes I would get like, you know, think I would get a lead because they'd be like, oh, I have a, you know, Diane Ramirez in my family. And um, 
And so that was not my biological mom's name. It was my biological mom's mom's name. So it was my grandma. Mm. Um, and so I, I would let like that happen for a few years and then I'd get discouraged and I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to put this on the back burner and not think about it. Meanwhile, it's always like going on in my brain. And then finally, after doing that for so many years, after I had Ella, I was like, you know, I see someone in my blood. I'm content with this. I'm going to back burner this. It's not mm. so important for me, right? Like if it was meant to happen in my life, it would have happened or it will happen. And so I kind of just took that mentality and then randomly, I, I guess like maybe eight or nine months ago or maybe a little bit longer, um, I met with a friend over Easter and I was talking to her husband who just told me about um, a very unfortunate incident that he had with his daughter. Um, he's military and that, or is a veteran. He was military. Um, he served in the military and to help his daughter, he needed to gain access to a military base. So, I'm sorry, a, um, not a military base, a database for like mm. federal database. So like every name, right? And so I was like, wow, that's really amazing. And I didn't even think about it at the time. I wasn't thinking about my biological family. I was just amazed that he was able to like help his daughter in this way and kind of rescue her, not to give, you know, his information out, mm. but um and then I came home and like was just like in meditation and I was like, oh my God, why didn't I ask him if he can find my biological mother? And so cut to maybe right before um, uh, COVID happened, the state of New York released this bill, I'm going to call it, that mm -hmm. granted anyone adopted from like a certain year and and above, so like let's say 1990 and any time before that, mm -hmm. um, they could apply to get their original birth certificate so that they could have identifying information in case they wanted to know their medical history or stuff like that, right? Or just identifying mm -hmm. information to know who their parents were. And so I applied for it. And then of course COVID happens. And so that kind of like prolongs everything because no one could search for like the microfilm that my information was on from like, you know, 30 something years ago. So then probably about in 2021, I received a letter from the department of, I think it's the, the department of health and like medical records. And they give me my original birth certificate, which happened to have my biological mom's name on it. So now I knew her name, not just my biological grandma's name. Mm. Um, it didn't have my biological father's name on it because he was unknown, but it also had her address that she lived at, at the time when I, when she gave birth to me. <clears throat> so I had two pieces of information that I had never had before. And that was the information that I shared with my friend's husband. And that was the information that he put into this database. And mm. two days later, he called me and he's like, two days later, like, wow, picture how frustrating that is for like a version, <laughs> no. a version of me that was like, I just want to find my biological mom. I just want to find my biological mom. I'm going to make it happen. Right. And then it was like, here's this piece of paper. 
here's the story. <laughs> oh, now is the perfect time. Now you align with this because you figured out who you really are and that you, mm. you don't need to belong to any quote unquote tribe or family or, or know your roots to know who you are and where you came from. Mm. Um, which I think is something that we struggle with, even if we're not adopted, who am I? Yeah. 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 Um, and you can, you can know. I can speak for myself and say, yes, that's something. (laughs) (laughs) And then especially if you're ever evolving, you know, right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, that's going to change. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like us coming full circle, me being 40, like that's going to change. And, and we have the power to do that. Yeah. We, we shouldn't force it, but we definitely have the power. Our thoughts are so magical are so powerful. Um, just visualize what you want. I would never have visualized it happening in this way. I resisted this Mm. almost to like cut off my nose to spite my face for 39 years. Mm. I, um, wanted it to happen in this way when I wanted it to happen. And even like my daughter is a great example of that because at that time I really was struggling. I was 27 years old. I was struggling with who I was. I was in an abusive relationship and I was living in another country with this abusive partner. And I wanted so badly to know who I was and where I came from. And all I would think of was I just want to meet someone of my blood. Those were my words verbatim that I was putting out into the universe. I just want to meet someone of my blood. And the universe was like, oh, sure, girl, you can meet someone of your blood. (laughs) You can meet biological parents, but you can meet someone of your blood. (laughs) Nine months later, I look up, you know, and I'm like, all right. Universe got a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, I think the universe really, really does. <laughs> wow, and I can only imagine like the. <laughs> I can only imagine like the whirlwind <laughs> of emotions that you may have been feeling whenever you get that slip of paper, and it's like, wow. Okay, was there any hesitation to reach out, or like from the moment you got the um, slip of paper? How long until you uh, found or made contact? Well, the slip of paper didn't really get me that far. I got to be honest. I mean, I, I had her name and I don't want to say her name, you know, just in case she doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, I had her name and I knew that she had lived in Brooklyn, um, which like completely makes sense because I'm, I, I grew up in New Jersey, but like Biggie and like, Brooklyn and just going out to certain places in Brooklyn and being in Manhattan had always resonated with me. So, um, of course she would be from, you know, from Brooklyn and my father too, who still lives there. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, it's just, God, it's just such a like wild thing. And, and when I got that information and her name still, you know, even, let's say her name was like Sally Ramirez. It's just such mm-hmm. a name. It was like, <clears throat> now I don't, not only am I going to look in New York and Brooklyn for through these hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Ramirez's, 
I now have to look throughout the entire United States and possibly the world because I don't know if she moved somewhere. I don't know what she did with her life. This is 39 years later that you're handing me a piece of paper saying her name and where she lived 39 years ago. So wow. it really didn't do that much for me. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> like mm, do I want to try? I mean, like, I, at the time I was um, – I did Ancestry DNA and I got to know more about my nationality, which wasn't completely accurate. I mean, maybe I did like the free version and they didn't give me like, <laughs> you know, I, I knew like certain regions that I was from, but it didn't tell me that I was from, like I was Trinidadian. It didn't tell me. Mm. It made it more like I'm African and I'm, you know, Southeast Asian somewhere and I'm Indian somewhere. But like all of that is where you know, a melting pot into Trinidad, you know, mm. um, even like Hispanic is a melting pot into Trinidad. So it didn't tell me that mm. I didn't know that I, I had to connect with my biological father to, or mother at first to know that. So really it was like the slip of paper was kind of like, well, here's all the information you need, but you're still kind of not there. You're still not ready. I love that you have this whole journey too. It's like they really coming home to yourself and like having that home for yourself before finding your uh, yeah. birth parents. Yeah. Wow. And then even in finding them, it was like. Or like reparenting yourself in some ways first mm -hmm. before finding your biological parents. Oh yeah. yeah. Reparenting myself, uh, telling that, that, inner child that she is so loved like and she does amazing things and she overcomes amazing things and and really hard hardships and is a light for other people because she's able to love herself like that little girl didn't know any of those things she had no idea she was so scared she didn't even want to like pull the covers down a tiny bit to peek out it was like oh almost safer in the darkness like you become so com comfortably numb there that it's hard it's hard to pull the cover like pull the covers off or rip the band-aid off or you know whatever that is and and face your darkness face your demons face your insecurities face your fears for me that was the biggest one facing my fears whatever they were and and a big part of that was am i lovable well i love myself so and it took me a long time to get there and to say that and actually mean it. I love myself. How many people can say that and truly mean it without mm -hmm. the material things, without like literally stripped down to the rawest, bare boned version of myself standing there mm -hmm. basically like naked, raw, and probably a little bit afraid. Like, I love myself. It took me so long to get there. Mm. And even if I was, which I'm not, but even if I was starting from that exact raw place at 40, that's a beautiful place. Oh, yeah. Because I think of, you know, someone in my family that, uh, I'll say it, my, my, one of my grandmothers, like, I, I feel like she does not. And I, I do said like, we kind of hinted towards like some of the generational stuff mm. um, before. And I, so I'm like, okay, I came in here to, to stop this, this pattern or this behavior and cultivate self-love and acceptance, which I can 
clearly see, <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> and that builds compassion too. Cause it's like, you're, she's in her eighties. Yeah. She hasn't found that yet. So to be half that age and to have found that, mm. I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And talks to the badass warrior goddess you are, right? Like, doesn't always feel that way, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Like when we're going through it, it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. We don't always look this good mm. going through it either. I'll come out and no. like crawled out of the sewer. My hair is all sorts of crazy. Like, <laughs> faces, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's days that I still don't want to get out of bed. And sometimes I'm like, you know what? You don't have to get out of bed today. And <laughs> sit with yourself and sit with your emotions and, and really and love your quirks and love the fact that you don't want to get out of bed sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's just and, who you are. <laughs> being gentle about that. Being gentle with yourself. Yes. Say it's okay that you don't yeah. want to get out of bed today. Yeah. Tomorrow's and, another day. You can take yeah. one day to mm-hmm. be in bed and allow yourself to feel whatever it is, if it's self-loathing or grief or mm-hmm laziness or you know you're you're menstruating and like you just need a moment like Mm -hmm. why are we not allowing ourselves to have those moments who says we can't Mm -hmm. have them who says we can't be vulnerable or insecure or have the moment i promise you when you have the moment you free yourself of it oh yeah it doesn't just like a resistance towards the moment Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like it's like the resistance is like prolonging the the, <laughs> yeah. the meeting of the moment or like the truth or allowing something to be you know expressed through you. Mm-hmm. Man, okay. And so I want to um, cut to or bring us forward to the moment where you do make contact. Ooh. You found her, mm. and you're I'm, I'm guessing you're making a phone call yeah. or <laughs> or yeah. reaching out somehow. So my friend's husband, you know, calls me or sends me a text or something and says like, you know, I'm pretty sure I found your biological mom. And not that I was cynical, but like 39 years or it wasn't 39 years of searching. Maybe I started at 16. So Mm -hmm. 23 years of going back and forth, like trying to look for her, not trying to look for her. I just was like, you know what, this is going to be another dead end. So I'll just call, get it over with. I'll you know, whatever. And he was like, so sure. He's like, you can not call or call, but like, I'm pretty, this is, this is the girl. Like, this is her. (laughs) I found your mom. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I I called. I just literally like got off the phone with him and and called. And um, I got a voicemail when it went to, you know, not straight away, it rang and went to voicemail. And um, I just left a message like super vague uh what did the voicemail say (laughs) yeah I'm like (laughs) hi my name is Teresa I'm you know looking for my biological mom and I heard you might have some information um if you do if you could please call me back would really appreciate it thinking like I'm never gonna hear from this person you know and she literally called Mm. me 15 or 20 minutes later and um I you know she said, you know, like, hello, someone just called me. And I said, yeah, hi, you know, my name is Teresa. I didn't really give like too much information. I just said, um, 
I was born in Lenox Hill Hospital and I heard that you might, you know, whatever. And I heard that you might have some information on my biological mom. And she said, I mean, verbatim, her words were, I am your biological mom. I gave birth to you on February 8th. And I don't even know what the exchange was after that. But the next sentence I remember her saying was, I have waited for this moment my entire life. And there hasn't been a day that I didn't love or think about you. And yes. My inner child needed to hear. Oh my God. That was all I ever needed to hear. It was like the narrative immediately was no longer a narrative. It was no longer, I'm not loved. This woman loved me every day. She was just so young. She mm-hmm. didn't have a choice in the matter. Somebody else mm-hmm. made the choice and said, you're pregnant. You're too young. You're going to this, unfortunately, this convent or oh, fuck. woman's home or whatever they wanted to call it then. But essentially it was a convent. They, they had, you know, it was, it was a, a Christian organization, a Catholic organization. And they had, um, women, you know, under uh, teenage women coming there and, and giving birth. And, mm. you know, obviously they should give birth in hospital, but they would stayed there and they lived there until they mm. were ready to give birth. Wow. Like, um, so she didn't have a say. So, and I know <sighs> like now after talking to her, like she was so young, she was 13. She was a, a child mm. herself. She's but, the same age Ella is going to be. She is or was the same age Ella is going to be this year mm-hmm. to put yeah. that in perspective. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, just like ugh, applaud that woman and that 13 year old girl for being brave enough to go to her parents and tell them that she's pregnant mm-hmm. instead of, you know, they're so having an abortion. And there's nothing wrong with having an abortion at that time. She was very religious. Her family mm-hmm. was religious. That was not an option for that family. Mm-hmm. And thank God, because I wouldn't be here. Yeah. The universe, thank whoever you want. I mean, I am grateful for the life I have. Mm-hmm. I don't appreciate every moment of it, but, you know, some things can be a little different <laughs> here and there. But I really am. Like, if I look back on the good and the bad, I'm grateful for every single thing that happened in my life mm-hmm. because it made me who I am today. And I love this person very much. I am so grateful for exactly where I am and for everyone. I didn't do it alone. I, when I was in a, you know, domestic violence, um, situation, I was going to therapy when things were happening with my daughter, we were going to not only, uh, behavioral therapy and child therapy, but horseback riding therapy and then learning meditation. Like I, I didn't never, I did nothing was done on my own. Yeah, I, I had to go on the journey alone. I had to seek what I needed to find within, but I always had people there every step of the way, whether they were strangers or they were friends or they mm-hmm. were loved ones. Um, so I'm just, I'm really grateful. Mm, I think that's, I think that's a beautiful yeah. moment to wrap up this, this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I applaud your vulnerability and your strength <laughs> and uh, willingness to go into the unknown. 
I also want um, people to find you. So where can they connect with you? And side note, before that, we're going to have to have you back on (laughs) after y'all meet in person. (laughs) Um, So we'll plant that scene there. So stay tuned. But (laughs) where can people find and connect with you? And I will say also, well, before before I give you that chance, I also want to say I have experienced um, Teresa's channel light healing sessions. And I absolutely love them. They really nurturing and um, are very grounded. And it's just like a, an amazing form of, of self-care. And highly suggest. Okay, so now Instagram handle. <laughs> so my spirituality and my channel light healing Instagram handle would be at supernatural underscore goddess. Um, and then my the most activity that I really have is on my travel blog, uh, travel uh, Instagram. And that is at, uh, travelista underscore Teresa with an H. So T H E R E S A. Um, and that's the other thing. If it wasn't a person that was healing me or giving me the tools to help me heal myself, it was a place. I mean, mm. you and I were in Costa Rica and I think that was mm. just an un- uh, unimaginable, unspeakable, just beautiful, healing journey for both of us in separate ways, of course, mm-hmm. but, um, there just are so many beautiful places, uh, peaceful places, places that you might not even think are peaceful. It can be busy and chaotic. Mm-hmm. You will discover something about yourself. You will learn something about yourself by taking that trip so adventure. Um, so I think that, you know, traveling kind of has its healing aspects too. So Connect with me on either. Like, that's really what I'm passionate about right now. Um, yeah, I, I like to think of it as like if you want to travel internally or externally, <laughs> connect with Teresa. Yeah, and like, oh, Costa Rica is a great, amazing healing spot. So she can line up something and go to the same magical areas that we did. <laughs> And we're somewhere new and bring your best friend or bring your best friend along for just part of the trip. And it's such a beautiful place and such a beautiful experience. And I think, um, I think both of us are very blessed for not just that experience, but for all the wonderful trips that we've been able to connect, heal with, um, each other on. So, so grateful for today to be here, but to just honestly have you in my life as a goddess and a presence and a friend. So thank I'm you. Really and a human. That. <laughs> and your human version too, I love. <laughs> your human version too, I love. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you.